Well, let's talk for a few minutes uh, about Lent as we are moving rapidly towards Resurrection Sunday. You know, Lent is the six weeks before Easter. It's a time to focus on the, the cross of Christ and, most importantly, the resurrection of Christ. The word Lent itself, it, it just stands for the, the lengthening of days as there's more sunlight, and so Lent just means lengthen. The original period of Lent was 40 hours, and those 40 hours were normally spent fasting. In the 3rd century, that was extended from uh, the 40 hours to 6 days. About 800 AD, Lent became the 40 days, which is still recognized today. And it is to correspond to the 40 days that Jesus was spend in the wilderness. You know, it's a time for us, though, you know, not everybody celebrates and, and, you know, has the same traditions around Lent, but it is a time for each of us as we're moving towards Easter to just be intentional, to set aside some more time to examine our life. You know, if there's things we need to repent of, to repent of, and, and to spend more time in prayer. But here's something key about Lent. You know, it's, it's not about what you and I give up for 40 days and then go back to it. For instance, there was a, a study this past week, you know, it's popular, people may give up a, a social media app, but, but studies show that most of those people that say, I give up that social media, just spend more time on a different social media app. So it's not about saying, I'm going to give up something, I'm going to give up chocolate for 40 days, but then go back to it. What Lent is really about is saying, you know, if there's a, a sin in my life, I don't just give it up for Lent, but I, I seek to give it up for the rest of my life. Or if there's something I've been holding back obedience-wise that God is calling me to do to say, you know what, during this time of more special reflection, I'm going to make that commitment and follow through. Again, Jesus is not interested in what I'm going to give up for 40 days and then return to it. What he's looking for is what am I going to give up and seek to give up for, for life? You know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we went to a special event at the zoo. We got to get up close and personal with some of the animals, and they brought out Forrest, the, the porcupine. And, and I'm not familiar with porcupines. I've not been around one. But what they did is they, they set him on this table, and there was some paint. And he'd walk through that paint and walk on a canvas. And then that was how he you know created his artwork, so to speak. And then they, they did a drawing to who would win that piece of art. And we actually won that piece of art. But here's the thing about porcupines. If you don't know this, I didn't know it till I got up close and personal with Forrest, but but they smell just they are smell awful. In fact, if you think that a skunk smells bad, well, they may be worse. And you know, we got that painting and we took that painting home and I can tell you, yes, that painting also smells really bad. So I'm not sure what we're gonna do with that. We may frame it and maybe that's gonna help. But I, I thought about that. What a metaphor for life though, you know, that something that seems, you know, just so innocent can taint you know, the results of life, you know, something so cute can produce this terrible odor. And sin is a lot like that. It can be so attractive or it can seem just a little compromise here, but it leaves behind this, this odor, this destructive nature. And so this is a time for us to say, you know, going beyond giving up chocolate, if there's something in my life that I need to give up, and maybe it's not a sin, maybe it's I need to give up a, a toxic relationship, or maybe it's time that I, I just surrender more of my life to Christ. You know, many know Phil Vischer. He created Veggie Tales, and, and you know, 
the 90s and the 2000s, VeggieTales was very popular. It became this multimedia company worth millions of dollars. And they were selling hundreds of copies of these DVDs every day. The VeggieTales had their own TV show. There were toys. But as I'm sure you noticed, they've not been around in, in several years. And what happened is they decided to create a movie. And that movie was a, a financial disaster. And the second thing that happened is they were sued by a marketing company. And Phil Vischer said they, they then had to declare bankruptcy. And he said it was, you know, this moment where he had created this animation studio, tremendous success, and then just kind of overnight, it was all gone. And he said he reflected on, you know, Abraham's story where Abraham, he wanted so bad to have a son and then he was tested to give up that son to see if he trusted and had faith in God. And Phil Vischer said this, if you see a dream come to life and God shows up in it and the dream then dies, it might be that God wants to see what is more important, God or the dream. But he was asked, you know, once his dream as that animator came to an end, here's something key he said, I love this, where will I be in five years? right in the center of God's will. And that's something for us here as we're moving through this time of Lent through the rest of the year to really be able to say, you know what, where am I going to be tomorrow or next week, next month, five months, wherever that is, it's going to be the, the center of God's will. And, and maybe in this Lenten time to make that commitment, if we're not there to say, God, I want to be in the center of your will. Lewis Smead said it so well. He is the God who is with us, the God who is for us, and the God who is in us. And so as we, we just stop and reflect a little more deeply and say, you know, thank you, Jesus, that you are with me. Thank you, Jesus, you are for me. Thank you, Jesus, you truly live, dwell in my heart. Somebody once said that Christmas is the promise and Easter is the proof. And as we stop and say, you know what? I believe he is risen. He is risen indeed. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And if I've gotten off center in my life, this is the time to get back on course and say, Lord, you know, show me where I need to readjust my life. Show me the, the path where I've taken the wrong turn. Lead me back into that straight and narrow. Let me read Luke chapter 17, verse 33. This is from the message translation. And Jesus says, if you grasp and you cling to life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll get life on God's terms. Too often we are clinging to life and saying it has to be the way I want it to be. And we just want God to kind of back us up in our plans. And what Jesus says is if you let go and, and not just seek your own way, but you trust the way he is leading, even if it's not comfortable, you get life on God's terms and you get life that is abundant and filled with everything that Jesus has promised in countless places. You know, Harold B. Walker once said, you can think about your problems or you can worry about them. 
There's a vast difference between the two. He says, worry is thinking that has turned toxic. And the problem of life is to change worry into thinking and anxiety into action. You know, there's clear in our culture around the world, there's so many things that are bringing people to worry and anxieties and fears. And and we want to be, again, those ones who stand in that faith in Christ and say, listen, whatever I face, I know that I face with God who is with me and God who is for me and God is in me. He's active in my life and the mystery is Christ now dwells in you and me through faith because of his grace. And when we stop letting anxiety hold us back, but rather we take action even in the face of, you know, the obstacles, the uncertainty, we find ourselves saying, no longer life on my terms, but life on your terms, God. And no matter where things are going to go, I want to be found in the center of your will. Luke 9, verse 23, a verse often read, you know, during this time of year, again, the words of Jesus where he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, a lot of people read that and they hear that and they think when Jesus says, take up your cross, he means, you know, carry a burden. That is not at all what he said. In fact, he said he takes our burdens off our shoulders. What does he mean by take up your cross daily? He said, when you take up that cross, you recognize your old life has died. And so when you're daily saying that part of me, like Paul said, is crucified with Christ, it no longer lives I no longer live. Now he lives in me to daily take up your cross is to say, I recognize that old life, that sin life, that selfish life, that self-seeking life has died. And my new life is Jesus living in me. And I follow after him. And he says, if you and I recognize that daily, instead of trying to resurrect that old self to be on the throne of life, if instead we say that old part of me has died, And I commit today to have him at the center of my life. He says, that is where you find true, true life. Now, there have been studies many years, you know, about what Americans believe about the resurrection. And here's the great news. You know, the study after study show that most people believe Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, some studies, it's 75, 76, 77 percent of people believe he rose from the dead. It's just when it gets to daily life, people think, well, what does that do though for my life? And what it does for your life and my life beyond saying, here's somebody that conquered death and hell in the grave forgives our sins. It's that then now he is with us, for us, within us. And so we are never alone. We never face anything on our own. And we can trust that he is that guiding light who has our best interest at heart. So I've said often, you know, what if you believe life is happening for you and not to you? What if you believe that anything that God brings into your life and in my life, he's right there with us to give us the strength to face it and the guidance to know how to handle it. And he gives a peace that the world can't take away. You know, as has been said well by Eric Reese, comfort does not produce growth. And so many people are, are kind of saying, you know, I'm looking for what's comfortable. But Jesus says, if you're ready to take the risk, whatever that risk may be for you and I, and it might be to start a new ministry. It, right, it might 
mean to have, you know, a, a radical conversation to bring healing to a relationship. It, it might mean a, a time commitment that's going to call you to, to rearrange your schedule. Whatever it means, though, comfort does not produce growth. But growth is happiness. And when we risk everything and trust the one who is for us, he's going to help us grow as he calls us to. You know, Anne Graham, the, the daughter of Billy Graham, said it beautifully as she wrote this. Because he emptied himself of all but love, you can be filled. Because his body was broken, your life can be whole. Because his blood was shed, your sin can be forgiven. Because he submitted to injustice, you can forgive. Because he finished his father's work, your life has worth. Because he was forsaken, you will never be alone. Because he was buried, you can be raised. Because he lives, you don't have to be afraid. Because he was raised, you can be strong. And Because he reached down to you, you don't have to work your way up to him. Because his promises are always true, so you can have hope. When you hear somebody say, you know what, I believe the resurrection is true. I just don't know what it means to my life. There's a great list of things to share and say, listen, it means everything to your life. And again, because he lives, you can face tomorrow because he lives, all fear is gone. And if you can live without fear, there's nothing that can stop you from living life as God intended you to live it. Ian Thomas said, there are those who have a life they never live they come to Christ and thank him only for what he did, but do not live in the power of who he is. You see, so many people, they come to the, the story of the resurrection and they find the great comfort as they're meant to, that Jesus conquered death. And that he laid down his life that our sins might be forgiven. But they don't understand. Now he wants to be deeply involved in our day-to-day -day life, our day-to-day -day, day -day decisions, our day-to-day -day relationships, our day-to-day actions and during a time like lent we stop and reflect a little bit more on our commitments our prayer our focus our dedication and looking at our life and examining and saying is there something i need to give up maybe i need to give up worry and just put everything in his care and say i know he's for me i have no fear you go back to few hundred years ago in Florence Cathedral in Italy they wanted to put statues around the Florence Cathedral so they commissioned some artists and these were massive statues and so the first one they commissioned was Joshua and they wanted one from myth so they had this statue to Hercules and they wanted another statue to royalty so they had this huge marble slab and this thing weighed tons. And 1400s, they had a sculptor come in and he started to work on this massive marble slab. But he said, it's just, it's too much. He couldn't complete the task. So think about this. That slab would sit there in Florence Cathedral in the yard for about 25 years. And then another sculptor finally agrees to come and work. But he only works a few weeks and he said he can't do it either. So then it's going to sit there for another, you know, 50 years. So almost 100 years, this marble slab undone is sitting in Florence Cathedral's yard. 
And then in 1501, they commission Michelangelo. And he comes along, and in three years, he completes what many would say is the, the greatest piece of art in all of history as he completes the statue of David. 14 feet tall, weighs six tons. But he's famously asked, you know, how did you do what others were not able to? And, and as Michelangelo would say, you know what? He would share, I can see things other people can't see. And I also know what needs to be removed from that marble to leave behind the masterpiece. And so I carve out what shouldn't be there. Such a beautiful metaphor for this life in Christ that he looks at our life and says, I know what needs to be carved out. I know what needs to be removed. And when we trust him, and he allows that work to be done in us and through us, and we cooperate with him, and his grace is greater than our sin. He carves out the things that need to be removed so that our life can be that masterpiece he intended it to be, for that's the reason he would lay down his life and take it back up again. He would die to rise again, not so we could live in a a mediocre pursuit but that we would be passionately alive in him, vibrant in faith, holy and living, and a witness unto him. Irma Bombeck would say, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope I would not have a single bit of talent left. And I could say I used everything you gave me. If we're not in that place, this is a perfect time to stop and say, Lord, I don't want to waste anything. Use me, remove what needs to be removed. Bring me into the focus because I know you are with me, you are for me and in me. i close in a minute with something fascinating about uh, Lenten history that is something you can take and, and learn from every day, not just during this time of year. Let me read something though that Roy Jones wrote. He shares, the British minister, W.E. Sangster, began to lose his voice and mobility. It was 1950. He had a disease that caused progressive muscular atrophy. He recognized the end was near, so he threw himself into writing and prayer. In the midst of suffering, he pleaded, God, let me stay in the struggle. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general. Just give me a regiment to lead. Sanctuary's voice eventually failed completely. His legs became useless. On Easter morning, just a few weeks before his death, he took pen and paper. He wrote to his daughter. In the letter, he said, It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. Again, Lent, it's not about giving up something for 40 days to go back to it. It's saying, what well, I need to give up completely for life. Lay down at the feet of Jesus and take up my cross daily, a symbol that my old life has died and I'm crucified in Christ and I no longer live, but now he lives his life in me. Let me give you another signpost as we close, just a fascinating part of history. You go back to 610 AD, during Lent, there was a monk 
who started to make a particular food. And maybe you can guess what this food is, or maybe you already know, because it's something now we use uh, on a regular basis. But originally, it was used only at Lent. And he designed this food to be a specific shape for a specific reason. And the, the word he came up for to describe this food means in English, little reward. And what he would do is for children that memorized maybe a scripture or a prayer, he would give them this treat. And then it became popular with adults. And again, it was used originally only during Lent. But then it became something so popular, now people use it uh, all year long. What was the little reward, though, that he created? Well, if you think about a prayer posture back in that time, they used to cross their arms and then put their hands on the opposite shoulder. And so he tried to design a treat with that same shape of somebody with their arms crossed and their hands on their shoulder. So what is the little reward that this monk created many years ago? Well, today we know it as the pretzel. Just another signpost, a simple snack, a pretzel to help remind you and I to take a little more time to reflect on where we are, to, to where we're called to be, to trust in the one who has our best interest at heart, and to say, listen, Jesus, I know you're not interested in what I give up for 40 days so I can just return to it. You're interested in what I'm giving up, the sin in my life, so that my joy in you can be complete. I don't want to just seek my own way. I want to listen to your voice. I want to follow your footsteps. And I want to leave behind, leave behind the, the sin, the things that snare, leave that bad odor, step into that life you promised is to be lived every day. A joy unspeakable, full of glory, a peace that surpasses understanding, and a life without fear in which we can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength.